Welcome to the Marketing for Startups podcast. If you're trying to figure out marketing for your startup, then you're in the right place. In this podcast, we go high level, looking at the intersection of branding, data, and leadership to offer you a marketing playbook to grow and scale. Join me each week for in-depth interviews, tactical advice, and practical trainings. Hi, I'm your host, Victoria Hajar, veteran marketer and startup enthusiast. I promise to bring my experience and curiosity to each episode. Then together, we'll peel back the onion on this ever-changing discipline that is marketing. I'm so happy you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to the first episode that I am recording in 2022. I can't even believe we are here. We've made it to the new year. Although this is not the first episode you're hearing in 2022 of the Marketing for Startups podcast, it is the first one I'm recording. So for me, this feels like a really fresh start and I'm full of new intention and new energy. I just adore the beginning of the year. It is like the coolest the coolest thing on the planet. I I love the fresh start. In fact, I've actually developed this habit of feeling really fresh start at the beginning of each month as well. And it's just such a nice way of like reviving energy, realigning with intention, um, making each month feel like you have a clean slate. And you can also kind of be returning. So if you got off track at all during the end of the month, or you got distracted, it's a great excuse to look at your plan again and feel like you can go into the upcoming month with a lot of focus. But now that we're at the beginning of the year, oh my gosh, it is just full of hope and excitement. And I know that a lot of you are maybe feeling a little bit hesitant to do um, intense planning for the year because of how much we've been thrown off track for the past couple of years. And I'm here to tell you, you know, work through that. Like give yourself time to examine why you're feeling that way. And it doesn't mean that you need to do goal setting like I guess we oftentimes think of goal setting. You you can do it in any way that feels comfortable or good for you. For me personally, I've been 100% focused on doubling down on systems. So rather than producing a long list of like lofty goals, I, I feel like focusing on having the proper systems in place in 2022 for growth, expansion, for creativity is so so important and a a little bit less heavy than having like all of these big projects to knock out. Um, If you joined last week, my goal planning masterclass, the marketing goals masterclass, um, you will have heard me talk a lot about systems and in marketing, leaning less away towards big, ambitious kind of um, overwhelming projects and just having like a very, very, very steady repeatable system that you can just have churning for you all the time. So hopefully you um, can start thinking about goals in a different way for this year and that gives you some relief. I have also linked up the recording in this episode in the PS if you're receiving the email um, my email or in the show notes or on the blog you can find a recording in the PS 
uh, to the masterclass that I had the other day, and you can uh, hopefully get some really good ideas for planning for the year. But today, we are talking about something that is actually a question that came from the community. So I hope you find this really helpful for your business. And it is all about ways to find people to work for free in your startup. Now, I see the frustration on faces of founders in my community all the time. Almost every time I'm in a situation like networking or um, in SoGal community or, you know, just in on Instagram, there's this crazy struggle, right? This impossible task of wanting to move forward and grow business, but feeling totally helpless by lack of funds, right? And it just is heavy, right? It's so heavy because you really want to hire great people to sort of take things off your plate. But if the funds aren't available, it's it's hard to find like really stellar people that know what they're doing. So what happens is maybe you get some people on Fiverr, you have some consultants or some, you know, contractors working um, in your business, but you, because of the inexperience or because of the level You kind of get what you paid for and you're stuck managing them really, really, really closely and also still doing so much yourself and wearing all the all of the hats. Right. And so what you want to be thinking about when you're hiring anyone or bringing anyone on is not to spend one dime unless that role is going to help you focus on your main objective, whatever your main objective is on the for the business. If it's innovation, um, if it's business development, oftentimes founders are the ones that are spearheading de- business development, usually in the beginning. And that's, I think, a really critical step um, to any business is that the founder understands sales and, and does business development themselves because it gives them um, so much feedback in terms of marketing and product development. But what happens, right, is that you're stuck doing administrative tasks, maybe, or, or simply you just don't have, it could, it could not only be a a bandwidth issue, it could also be an expertise issue, right? Maybe there's some things that you need to do in your business that you simply don't have any experience with, right? Maybe you need some high level strategic thinking. So getting, uh, you know, getting hands in your business, getting people to work in your business, it, it can, it can mean a lot of different things. Right. It could also mean, for example, if you're filling orders or you need hands on deck for an event. Right. Um, Always good to have some ideas on where you can get low cost or no cost labor. So let's begin. I have three ideas for you, um, all of which I have intimate experience, which I will be sharing all my thoughts on now. So let's begin. So three ways to get free labor in your startup. The first one is bartering, right? You can barter your goods or service uh, services, and it's a really easy way to help with little or no cost to you. Now, f- let's remember that, of course, even if you're bartering, there is a cost. There's the cost of the product or the cost of your time. But this is a really good option, especially if you're just getting started. And the next question you're probably asking is, well, where do you find people to barter with, right? So there are your friends and family, your natural network, but there's also plenty of wonderful communities and programs with other brand new entrepreneurs that are looking to get their big ideas off the ground, just like you. And inside these communities, it's really 
really easy to make friends. I've actually found incredibly meaningful relationships from the communities that I'm a part of. And I mentioned earlier in this episode, SoGal, I actually am the chapter lead here in South Florida for the SoGal Foundation, which is uh, is an organization, a nonprofit that connects uh, founders and funders and fosters the next generation of founders and funders focused on women, LGBTQ, traditionally underrepresented, underserved, underestimated um, founders. So that community has been so enriching for me. Um, my co-chapter lead, Linda, is just like a dear, dear friend. And I've um, also met just such awesome um, women through that. But I've also been part of accelerators. Um, I've been part of coaching programs. And all of which usually have either a Slack channel or a Facebook group or even like a, a private dashboard where you can socialize and network. And these being special interest groups, they're certain, they're usually gathered around a certain theme, which could be like your geographic location or interests like entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurship. So I would suggest finding your tribe, um, not only for bartering, but also for moral support. It isn't easy to start a business or build a business and finding other people that are in your same situation is so vital for helping you through the difficult moments, for which they will be many, of course. That's what you sign up for. Um, but one last thing I want to say about bartering. So how do you kind of set up the situation? Uh, usually it's, you know, putting yourself out there to share, like, what your biggest struggles and problems are and also listen to what other people's struggles and problems are. And if there's any moment where you could help, someone else, that's a really good place to start. So if you have a specific skill set or some experience as you're looking through posts or just like being a part of conversations, you know, offer yourself up to help others. And in the process, tell them like, hey, well, I'm looking for someone to help me with my website. Do you know anyone that has like that skill set? for example. And if they can't personally, by you helping them, they will reach into their own network of friends and family and see who may be able to do a favor for you. Um, but the best situation is if you find someone within the community with that specific skill set and to, that can fill the gap. And you want to sort of say, oh, well, you can help me like, uh, I don't know, touch up pictures or do photography for me. Well, I can help you with, um, you know, coding or I can help you with product development or connecting you to my, you know, factory in China or whatever it may be. One thing I will mention is remember to be reciprocal and find others that are willing to do the same amount of work as you are because the most frustrating thing is and this is something that I found myself in is you know, you could it's really easy to kind of like give and give and give and get in the track the trap of helping everyone else but then feeling like a little embarrassed or ashamed to be asking for the help yourself. And it is just, I mean, the, what I could say to that is that is just totally unproductive and it's a waste of your time. So be really selective in who you do business with and know that maybe you'll get burned once or twice, but that's all part of the learning process. Um, but just be selective and start to uh, develop a, some skill set in choosing people to work with. 
And that's a really good segue to my next uh, type of way to get free labor in your business, and that is interns. And holy guacamole, I have a lot of experience, lots of experience managing interns. So, and in a couple of different uh, settings. So when I um, when I first started my career, I've always worked in startups, but I was uh, connected to two hospitality developers, and they had just raised you know their first couple million dollars, and we were building brands from the ground up. But I share this because we were working in hospitality, and hospitality is quite a it's a different vibe than a traditional startup, right? It's a it's more of like a concrete business. It has a physical space. Um, there's a lot of different departments, a lot of different, um, just like a lot of different systems, a lot of, it's just a lot. And so I um, was always managing interns. We would get interns from the top uh, Swiss hospitality uh, university or training program in the world. So very like prestigious program. But what I can tell you is it's always a mixed bag. I actually have some interns that I manage at Urban Hotel, which is the hotel, the first hotel that brand that we made. And we're still friends. We're still connected on Facebook. Um, some of the most like talented and ambitious and just awesome individuals I've met managing interns. But not not to the same degree, but I've also had just complete nightmare interns that just stunk. And so here's going to be a little bit of my my best advice on how to pick the best ones. So oftentimes, having kind of like a, a bad egg, it's less the fault of the student and more a culprit of mismanagement. And I will admit in the beginning, you know, I... I saw this individual, you know, I saw some of these individuals, some of these interns, they carry themselves really well. They say they have all this experience and you kind of like as being, um, I wasn't a founder, uh, but I was, you know, an, an executive and I had a lot of other things, you know, I was marketing director at the time, had a lot of other things to think about. And you just think, oh, this person can handle it and let's just let them run with it. And sometimes that works, but oftentimes um, it's not because they don't have experience, right? Even if they've interned before, I would be really weary of letting an intern work like totally autonomously, right? Interns take positions so they can learn and have mentorship. And so if you decide to take on an intern, you have to do it with the expectation that they will need lots of clarity and management. But I want to be very, very clear, okay? When I say management, it doesn't mean you need to hold their hand. In fact, that's micromanagement. That's not what we need. We want leadership, right? So it's quite the opposite. They can work independently. The issue becomes when they're not given clear instructions or they're not held accountable in a consistent and productive manner. So if you have these guardrails um, like in your mind before bringing on an intern, it's going to be much, much uh, of a better experience. So so I would say that, you know, if you're thinking of getting an intern on, you want to have an, a really clear understanding of what their responsibilities will be, will be right? And what will success look like from this individual, right? Ask those, so yourself those questions. You want to know how you're going to track your pro their progress. So if you have an idea of what success looks like, let's put that into something that's measurable, right? And... It doesn't have to be um, 
it doesn't have to be necessarily performance based, right? It just could be like, um, you know, if they're going to be doing a repetitive task, you know, how many times are they doing that task in a week? Or if they're doing research, like how many examples or how many whatever in an Excel spreadsheet are they going to put together? Have an idea of, um, you know, what, you know, what they're going to be, what those tasks are and, and really make it clear for them exactly like what they have to do and how many times they have to do it. You also want to know like what is the cadence at which you're going to be meeting with them. In my experience, I like the Monday-Friday rule. So once your intern has been properly onboarded and clearly communicated their responsibilities, I find it really helpful to have a regular Monday meeting. And the point of the meeting on Monday is to review their big objectives. So of course, when you're onboarding them, you kind of need to give them idea of like the big the big projects they have or the big, you know, responsibilities they have, and then review their weekly tasks. So this happens every single week. The reason I like to review both the big projects and the weekly tasks is to keep both you and the intern on track, super focused on what they should be doing and why. Then during the meeting, you should also be asking the intern where are they stuck and how you can support them during the upcoming week on the tasks that they have on their task list. I also want you to put some time aside, or this is what I do, um, to offer just connection on a personal level and on a mentor level. So remember, they're not getting paid or they're getting paid very little. And the real value that they are extracting, not just doing the tasks you, you show them, but also for you to teach them. You know, teach them about what it's like to be an entrepreneur. Teach them what it's like to be, you know, making a product or, you know, going through a design process. They, you know, that kind of advice or information is going to be so valuable to them. Let them ask questions, you know. That's really why they're there. And then on Fridays, I like to ask them to give me a progress report of all that they worked on during the week. This is really easy to just put in an Excel spreadsheet and you can kind of like get a status, right? Like green is done, yellow is, um, you know, in progress or they're stuck somewhere and red is not done. Uh, that's a really good visual way <clears throat> to know very easily like what progress they made during the week. And if you have like a Google sheet, they could ask questions on that sheet. Um, and you can ask questions to them vice versa in a notes section. So having that be a live document is really um, is really cool. So the last thing that I will say is that sourcing interns can get a little bit tricky. There are legal considerations that vary by state and country, right? And so to make sure that you're being 100% compliant, I suggest using a service one that I've used to uh, with success is called Ripen, R-I-I-P-E-N. I believe it's ripen.com. There's links to it in the show notes, um, the blog, etc. Um, and I've worked with them before and found some excellent interns, not just for ugly ventures, but also for my clients when I'm building out my own teams. And they've done everything from like launching marketing programs to doing critical, repetitive tasks like research, things like that. The last thing I'll say 
is this though. It's like hiring any other employee for your business. Personality really, really matters. Um, so for anyone working in your startup, you want them to be a go-getter, right? Someone that's comfortable in the environment, a dynamic environment, willing to sort of, um, you know, jump into any project and, and go where, where, um, where help is due. I find that, you know, sometimes we forget this in startup culture, but some people are really uncomfortable jumping around to different things. They want, they feel uncomfortable, right? They, they feel like they need to know exactly what they should be doing or they get scared or nervous. So keep, like keep that in mind. But <clears throat> you want people who have a disposition that complements you and your brand, right? The values of your brand and the the values of the business you're bi- you're building. Excuse me. So take your time. I would also suggest having them do a test project. This is something that's really useful for regular hires and for interns. But you create a test project that's related to the work that they'll be doing. This is actually really great if you're if you're really clever about it. You could have them do some kind of task that's been just bugging you on your plate for a long time. You just get it done by these test projects. Um, but through the the experience of doing the test project, what you're going to learn is how serious they are about the position. So depending on how thorough of a job they do, how prompt they are with getting uh, the project back to meeting the deadline. You'll learn about their communication skills, so, so much more. And the added benefit to taking your time to find the perfect intern is that they can also also often turn into your best future employees or even your best brand advocates. So again, it could be a really rewarding experience, but I would just be wary of just taking it very seriously. Now, the third suggestion for getting advisors, uh, sorry, <clears throat> that's the next the next topic, but the, fr- the next way to get free, free workers in your startup is by taking on advisors. When you're ready to take your business to the next level, it's really important to surround yourself with an experienced team. But as a bootstrap founder, maybe you can't afford experienced team members, right? So if you're stuck on high-level strategy or you're having a big dilemma, taking on a trusted advisor can help you in leaps and bounds. So as, as I'm a marketing expert, I've actually been asked to be on many boards as an advisor. And it's something I, I actually really enjoy doing with founders. If there's that connection, like that, that personal connection between the founder and myself, and if they have a product that I really believe in. So it can be really rewarding on both sides. But what exactly is an advisor? So an advisor is an individual who have an area of expertise that fill in a gap of the current team. So they can be paid as a consultant or offered equity in the business in exchange for being a part of the team. And the amount of equity can vary greatly depending on the advisor and the amount of time or value or energy that they give to the business. So the Silicon Valley Bank suggests an advisor may receive between 0.25 and 1% of shares depending on the stage of the startup and the nature of the advice provided. Right? There are lots of ways to struggle uh, to structure the compensation to ensure that founders get value for those shares while retaining the flexibility to replace advisors without losing equity. 
So in my experience, um, with this kind of arrangement, though, the most important thing is clarity, right? So again, the shared number may vary, but also the value that the advisor brings also varies. So if you're going to engage in an equity partnership with an advisor, be really clear about the terms of the agreement, right? Understand exactly what the advisor's offering you. For example, are they opening up contacts and creating opportunities from their network? If so, I would feel more comfortable quantifying what the expectations are on both sides, right? And this way, both parties know whether or not the advisor's successful or not, because otherwise it can get really ambiguous. And when that ambiguity um, can create bad blood. So with this example, you want to be also um, intentional about how like setting up meetings, right? How often are you meeting together and get those meetings on the calendar for the next 12 months, right? Take it seriously. um, And the more seriously you take it, the more value you'll get out of the advisor because the more seriously they'll take it as well. So I've heard like horror stories of advisors kind of coming in and you know, promising the world and not really delivering. But then when it comes time, um, you know, if there is a big event like an acquisition or something like that or a sale, then, you know, the advisor's going to want their share of the pot, right? But if the founder feel like the advisor has not really brought the value, it can get, as you can imagine, like very uncomfortable for both people. So the way to avoid that is just for clarity and not just word of mouth, like contracts, you know, have a formal contract written up. Of course, with any person you're giving equity to, there should be, you know, contracts drawn up, not just handshakes and word of mouth. Um, And sorry, and, uh, you know, uh, verbal agreements. The other arrangement, though, right? So the first example, we're talking about advisors just as like, kind of giving advice and opening up their network right? That's a really typical situation. The other arrangement is one which the advisor actively is working on your business for equity. So in my case, I work as a fractional uh, chief marketing officer in which I build strategies and I manage teams. So the percentage of equity would be equivalent to the dollar amount I usually charge for my business. Now, In my case, normally there's a combination of paid compensation, which is like heavily discounted, and equity together. But in order to properly calculate the equity, it's important that you have a formal valuation um, done that both parties are really happy about, that they enthusiastically agree upon. So here I should mention about vesting period. Okay, so uh, according to the long-term stock exchange, which is uh, like a website that gives advice to advisors, they uh, they suggest a typical vesting schedule is one of uh, is one of one to two years with no cliff. So this means that the stock vests in equal monthly increments over 12 to 24 months, okay? So with a 24-month vesting schedule, if the advisor ceases to provide services to the company after 11 months, the advisor would keep one 24ths of the stock. Does that make sense? So 
and you can read tons about this. This is just one suggestion on how to kind of structure it. But um, you want sort of that vesting period, that vesting schedule to sort of just show good faith on both sides, right? And also, you know, know that you're working well together and getting the value that is expected. So uh, regardless of how you choose to get your free help for your startup, the most important thing, which I, as I'm kind of <laughs> review, like redoing this uh recording or doing this recording now and kind of looking at my notes is clarity. Clarity is the most important thing. So if you're bartering with friends or family or hiring an intern or bringing on a key advisor, it is vital that both parties, right, you and whomever else have a clear idea or clear, you know, tasks and clear expectations. And by doing this and like making that kind of preparation and taking it very seriously, I promise you, you'll avoid so much frustration and heartache. So I hope that this has been helpful for you in understanding some ideas, some ways you can get free help in your business. If I've forgotten, you know, if there's something I'm not thinking about, I would love for you to tell me. I'm always looking for new ideas and new ways to you know, help bootstrap founders. So let me know if I missed anything or do you have experience with bartering? Have you had experience that completely blew up in your face? Have you, uh, do you have any other resources for sourcing amazing interns or some success stories you've had with interns or some failures as well? And how about advisors? Have you taken on advisors? I would love to hear from you. You can um, add comments to the blog. You can always reach me on LinkedIn. I would love to hear from you. And thanks for tuning in. I know that this year is going to be really exciting. We have a lot of really cool interviews lined up for the next uh, couple months that I am just so excited. People I'll be interviewing that I could never have imagined I'd be interviewing some top thinkers um, in the country on uh, marketing and strategy and things like that. So I hope that you stick with me this year, ready for another ride, and hope to see you back here next week for the Marketing for Startups podcast. Thanks. You did it. You made it to the end of the episodes. Thanks for sticking around with me and listening all the way to the end. I really appreciate you as an audience member, and I hope that you found this helpful. If you did like this episode, it would mean so, so much to me if you subscribed, if you rate and review this podcast. It helps other people know that this podcast has something worth saying. Also, it would be super awesome if you could take a screenshot and share on Instagram and tag me at Ugly Ventures, U-G-L-I Ventures, V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S. I am always so appreciative to hear from you, and I hope to see you back here next week on the Marketing for Startups podcast.